0: breakfast on 702 let's walk the talk right let's continue now with our regular programming and i i talk about regular because always on a saturday morning at about 10 past eight it's not 12 past eight we speak to our parenting expert nikki bush good morning nikki lovely to chat you once again good morning ray Now, here's the thing, a child's journey to reading and how to encourage it. There was this recent survey that found that those in grades one and two couldn't really read or actually couldn't do the alphabet, never mind read, couldn't go through the alphabet. It's very concerning, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, Ray, because reading is a gift for life. This is your literacy skill. And it is something that nobody can take away from you once you have it. Now, in South Africa, we teach our children to read from the age of seven, as in we start showing them books and getting them to read those basic books but prior to that, there are so many perceptual skills that children should acquire in the preschool years. Of course, in our country, a lot of our children are at a disadvantage because they don't have a formal preschool education. So there is a lot that parents can do at home and children can experience in a preschool environment that sets them up for good reading and then they learn to officially read around the age of seven. And Ray, it is the most remarkable thing and you're a parent and if you go back to your child's, your daughter's year in grade one. And the reason why I picked this topic today is because mm-hmm. my sister is teaching grade one this year, and I said to her kind of tongue-in-cheek, so tell me, was the first book that you, you got your kids to read this year 16 pages of one word? Look, 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 <laughs> look, yeah. look. And your children come home with that first reader and the excitement on their faces that they can actually read, even though it's just one word, on 16 pages with 16 different illustrations. It is so powerful in building that I am, I can I will mentality. But I'd really love to explore what goes before that and where the learning to read goes from there.
0: Is it just interest? And I say this because somebody once said to me, Ray, I can't get my children to read. So what I did is I got my comic books out from when I was younger, my Superman, my Batman and Spider-Man, and I gave them to this friend of mine and she gave them to her children and they haven't stopped reading
1: since? Yes, there's a different key for every child. So, firstly, our children need to hear words in order to tune their ears. So, never underestimate the power of reading stories to them from a very, very young age. Of course, the added bonus is that your children are sitting on your lap or sitting cuddled next to you or lying in bed with you while you're reading to them. So this is undivided parental attention, which is what children crave. But you really are tuning their ear for language. And then when they start reading, you need to listen to them read books you aloud but you need to really listen and not be multitasking otherwise they know that you're not really listening and then the third thing around tuning their ears for language is engaging them in conversation so we really need to talk our children clever and once they are in the preschool years We need to understand that reading is not just words on a page. It's about multi-sensory concrete learning. And this happens in that foundation phase between two and eight years of age, where they're acquiring these foundational skills that are going to help them to recognize letters of the alphabet, to read them, to write them, and to blend them. And this is where most parents are not on the page, Here are the strengthening exercises that you need to do with your children. It's things like playing shape and color games, because interestingly, every single letter of the alphabet contains shape and line. So if you take, for example, the letter P, it's got the long line from a rectangle, and then it's got the curve from a circle. So every time your child is handling those shapes in a shape matching game, say big plastic shapes, they're actually touching and feeling the very things they've this in spatial planning terms, they're mapping the parts of letters. So these are the kinds of things that help and when they're having to sort uh, all the circles and match all the squares, they are learning the differences between various shapes, which will help them learn the difference between things like a P and a B and a D when they're reading. Now, this is stuff most parents never know, but it's things that you can do with your children to strengthen those foundational skills. And playing with things like play and making the shapes of letters in play-doh yeah. or playing in sand or um or, or mini meal on a tray and in grade one they start of course learning how to draw their letters and write their letters and if you can give them a really multi-sensory experience they will have a stronger memory of what they're actually doing. So these are the kinds of things we should never underestimate are important to ensure that our children don't have fundamental learning gaps. Because sometimes and I'm going back to the story you just told me about children who don't want to read. Yeah. Sometimes their visual systems are not strong enough and so they avoid reading. Because reading is intense. You've got to bring the entire visual system into the midline in order to read. And if your child has any weakness in that visual system, maybe they have a squint. Yeah. Maybe, um, you know, there's so many things that it could be. And that's why good preschools are actually getting opticians in from around the age of three. Okay. To make sure that they're doing visual screening from an early age to pick things up. Maybe there's dyslexia. Um, That's not common, but if there is dyslexia, it's the kind of thing you want to pick up early. Maybe the eyes are jumping. This is a common one because when you read, and so when you read to your children when they're young, like from preschool, you've got lovely books with big pictures and few words. And your finger should be going under the words as you read them. Some of the reading issues or the visual issues that children have is the inability of of the eyes to track in a straight line.
0: Yeah. So lot, the eyes are jumping. Nikki, a
1: lot, people, sorry, Nikki up. a lot of people. Sorry, Nikki,
0: a lot of people have that. A lot of people. Actually struggle to read, and we actually had that with news re- news readers as well when we teach people to read news it 's following the words, keeping an eye on the words, looking at the grain or the paper, yes. concentrating but very often, I do find with people that people battle simply just to follow that line
1: it 's an enormous problem and and Ray, you and I both. public speaking for a living, I am amazed how often uh, the MC doing the introductions cannot read the intro that I have provided. And these are educated, learned people, and it absolutely floors me. So I think that it's actually Mm. more common than you think. And so training the eye to, to actually follow the word on the line and then the next word and the next word. That's the kind of stuff that these reading workshops do with children, teaching them how to follow those, the, you know, the line of text. And sometimes, of course, if they're using technology, there's a cursor and you can follow with the cursor. Yeah. And some of it is straightforward training of the brain and if the problems persist you may need to take your child to an optometrist and go and just have that visual system checked out and the thing we are seeing a lot today is that because children are not playing on jungle gyms as often as they used to. They're not not up and down the jungle gym, down the slide. They're not chasing each other. They're maybe not playing ball sports. You think about a ball comes to you on a tennis court or someone throws it to you. You usually catch it in your midline, Mm. which is the same place as you're going to be reading in the midline. Okay. And if your eyes are not working in the midline, you're going to battle to read. So getting children to do a lot of physical exercise is actually really helpful in strengthening the visual system In order to read, yes, just get that concentration in. I know playing
0: tennis, playing squash, any ball contact is quite something because a lot of kids battle just to hit a ball. They can't hit the ball and they can't get their eye contact to that ball. So it's kind of the same thing just to train your eye to follow the ball, to follow the words. And once you start doing that, it's different. But you're right, Nikki, sometimes it's
1: just a pair of glasses. And sometimes, if you catch it early, it's a pair of glasses for a year or two with both my children around the age of grade one, grade two, they both landed up wearing glasses just for a couple of years. And so it's important in this foundational time because you are learning to read officially um, in those uh, preschool years from, from, from um, three through to about the age of nine is when you're learning to read. You officially learn to read from grade one reading books, Um, and then from grade three onwards, you are reading to learn. You've now acquired the ability to read, and now you have to put it to work for you. Mm. And so the next stage of this, Ray, is to make sure that your children understand what they're reading or what you're reading to them. In other words, you need to test their comprehension skills. Okay. Okay. Can they derive meaning from it or are they just reading the words? And so this is the value of learning comprehension skills at school. And we live in a, a, an era of information overload. And if you can't isolate the meaning in all those words you're reading, whether it's online or in a book, you really are quite lost. So for parents, when you are reading a story to your kids, check in with them from time to time whether they're actually listening for the detail by asking a question or two. Yeah. So this is like the audio version of showing child a really a child a really busy picture and then getting them to spot a particular item within the picture. So you might say, "Can you remember what the mum's name was? Mm. What colour was the dog?" Yeah, that's it. What was the little boy doing? And then you know whether they really got it. Yeah. So I think comprehension skills is like the ultimate pinnacle of the value of being able to read. It really
0: does work. And, and Nikki, I'll go back to newsreaders again. Very often what I'll do is I'll give a newsreader a script – and they'll read the script to me. Then I'll snatch it away. I won't warn them that I'm doing it. I'll snatch it away. And I'll say, now, do you tell me what's in that story? And all of a sudden, their whole voice will change. i will go, well, Ray, this happened and this happened. And I'll say, now, that's how you tell me the story. So it's that same comprehension. Sometimes, though, I'll snatch it away and I'll get this blank stare back at me <laughs> because they were just looking at those words and they have no idea what they just said.
1: Exactly. And if you think of the newsreader analogy, uh, say, for example, the lights went down and your generator was going to take a few seconds to kick in. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Could they carry on telling the story? Did exactly. they actually comprehend it enough to, 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 uh, know the thread of the story? Um, so same with children. Um, another great thing to do is to take the book away once okay. they have read you their few pages for the day because this is what happens when they're reading at school. They have reading homework. And please, please, parents, be intentional about ensuring you support the reading homework and listen to those reading exercises every day. But afterwards, um, instead of asking them questions, you might ask them to retell you the story in their own words. Okay there it is exactly that yeah similar to what you've just said is are they engaged in the content enough to be able to internalize it not regurgitate it but actually repackage it and i think when you talk about news readers and having been around 702 for so many years i can hear in the intonation of the voice whether a newsreader is engaged with the story or just reading a script.
0: Mm, you can hear it. You can so hear it. And you, you, you'll actually hear it as well if you say, three people have been killed. Now, that's a very somber thing, three people have been killed. You can't go, three people have been killed, like you're happy, because, no, it's annoying and wrong.
1: Exactly. So, once again, that's understanding the meaning behind the words and the impact the words are going to have on the listener. And here's something else, Ray, that our parents can support schools in doing with their children. In the early years, there are high-frequency words. These are words that come up often, and there are about 220 of them. And there is a list. You can go and Google it if the school hasn't sent it through to you. And it's called the Dolch Sight Word List. D-O-L-C-H. Yeah. 220 frequently used words. And those are things like she, he, it, and them, the, etc. And children need to learn these by sight. In other words, the shape of the word. So they're not sounding out the letters. These are not sound-outable. So you need to be able to see these and know them by sight. And the minute your children... Get these 220 words down pat, and you usually use things like flashcards, etc. Mm-hmm. Their fluidity in their reading goes up 10 notches. So you can help your child sound better when they read because they're not having to break the letters down to be able to read the word. Okay. Whereas certain words that have multiple syllables, like elephant, They break it down in their heads before they actually learn that.
0: That is what elephant looks like. Okay, that's clever. Okay. That's, Interesting. That's really remarkable. Clear. It is, you know, you just have to teach it and then it gets its memory and it memorizes how to do things. What else can parents do, though, to get their children to read? You know, Nikki, we we're living in this age and I see this at home. It's all about that smartphone that I shouldn't have bought the kids, but mm-hmm. they love it. And they walk around the kitchen. In fact, last night I just walked into my child who walked into me and I was like, get off the phone. That was the kind of thing. And she looked at me and pulled out her tongue and smiled and off she went. But um, (laughs) as kids do, you know. But how can we get kids to read again?
1: So I think there's many ways of getting kids to read. And let's not underestimate that. Um, They are still having to read things even when they are online, when they're gaming, etc. I think um, creating a, a curiosity gene and a love of research so, for example, you might engage your child in planning the family holiday. So, if you have a 10-year-old and up, and you start talking about where are we going to be going for the Easter holidays, come and help me do the research. That means that your child actually has to read. So, this may be more interesting for them because there's obviously some, some self-interest here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, things like that, so it's kind of more practical things or go and find a recipe for, because you still have to read a recipe. Um, And if they have a particular interest, of course, this is what teachers will tell you. If your child's interested in fishing or sport or something, go and buy those magazines and give your children things that they're interested in. But I must tell you, there is a single danger there. Magazines are not full of rich language. Whereas a novel is full of an enormous amount of interesting Mm. and rich language. And up until even your child is about 12 years of age, you can do paired reading where you read a page, they read a page aloud to each other. Okay. And you do it in tandem. And so it means that you both know the content of the book and can continue to have the conversations in the car on the way to school. You know, you need to get engaging books. And there's so many books written today for different ages, like teen books um, et cetera, which are far more in their ballywicks, so to speak, you know, things that they're interested in. So I think a, a lot of it is the key. Um, the key is to find what topics are children actually interested in. And playing word games and playing things like Pictionary and playing um, 30 seconds, mm. all things that have got to do with general knowledge and, um, you know, using words. So whatever you can do to engage your children with word power will be useful because repetition is actually the basis of mastery. Okay. So doing things over and over again in many different ways will build your child's vocabulary and their ability to read.
0: It is. Quite fascinating, actually. Quite fascinating. Our parenting expert, Nikki Bush, I could chat to you for the rest of the morning, but I have to make way for Anthony Teixeira, who's glaring at me saying, Ray, it's my sports news time. Nikki, <laughs> good to chat to you once again. Thank you. Lovely, Ray. Thanks so much. Cheers. It's Nikki Bush. And if you want to get hold of Nikki, go to her website. It's uh, www.nikki, that is com, or just join uh, Parenting Matters on Facebook.